nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. less connection. That's one less potential hiccup. Oh, nice.
Just the verse and the chorus of one read. We don't need to record the whole song. I think I can record just the loudest part of the loudest song and the quietest part of the quietest song. Look at our Jesus Christ.
been an awful long time since you used those, too, huh? I believe so. Okay. Um. Open the eyes of my heart. You can. <laughs> just, just levels. Just if it sounds crunchy or bad or too quiet that you can't. Testing one, two, yeah. Did the guitar show up? Is it because you're not recording? Really? You, it should be showing you if it's recording. And actually, we don't need the phantom power on now, but I think about it. You might want to mute all the channels before you do that. Okay. All right. Aha! All right. Is it buzzing out of one ear? Yeah, it does that. It, does, it, it, it buzzes out of one ear. So just, just listen with the one that's not buzzing. Testing one, two. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Don't know. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Not coming through? Is that right? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. There's a way to play something from the board. Okay. Okay. Good idea. 
Ready? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we sing, holy, holy, holy. Okay, so I'm going to bring it down to a really quiet song now. You dance over me While I am unaware You sing
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. That's okay. As long as it's not as long as it's not going up into the red. Okay. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to see. How's that? Isn't the yellow? Okay, that's that's probably acceptable then. I don't think it's going to get any louder than that, to be honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes the mid- the middle of the rain songs do, but I don't think in this case they will. Okay. I think that we're just about ready. Nice and thorough. On Sunday, I think that what we'll do is we'll break after the second song and have offering. Because I'm just shortening it by one song. Just these people are trying to sing with their masks on. It's almost like we had to wait until the people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's. I think that's how they took it. Yep. Yeah. You see all those memes that, that, that about about the Naylor Hornets team that looks out like they. Well, Iris was saying that the uh, that one of the nurses she knows that was testing people at the hospital was saying our tests here are only fifty percent accurate. If you want to get tested for real, go to the military base. But everybody was using everyone was going to the hospital or drive through pharmacy tests. You know, okay, yeah.
Are we uh, ready to pray and start? Okay. Father, yes, yeah, this is the real deal here. Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Phil here once again in the uh, sanctuary of our, our little church out here in, in uh, Cedar Creek, Texas, and I imagine I probably need to speak a little louder because I'm not used to using this microphone. Um, so uh, I have a few quick announcements before we get into this. So first of all, uh, we have our um, our website, which is uh, now uh, completely um, put, huh? Yeah, well, the website's nlicedarcreek.org. I didn't mean to say that that our website was now called it's completely something. No, completely something.com. No, it's uh it's it's complete with YouTube links and and Facebook links and everything that you need to connect with us and so we encourage you to to get on there and and uh find our YouTube page and subscribe to that and like our Facebook page and so we can you help us to extend our reach to people who haven't heard the word and of uh, Jesus and and uh, we appreciate that and um then uh please let us know we've we've had a we've had a drop off of prayer requests and I'm hoping that's because people have been praying at home and crying out to God at home but we haven't had a whole lot of prayer requests and um uh, and so if you do have uh prayer needs or prayer concerns or requests that you need to get to us please uh send that to us you can you can send those to us a multitude of ways um and uh you know especially if you if you connect with us on Facebook that'd probably be the easiest route um, and then also we have three ways to give now, which you can text to give, which the number should be on the screen. And then there's also the, uh, you can scroll down and click on the video link in er, in this, uh, this video's description. Um, and then of course you can give by mail. And so, uh, that being said, why don't we go ahead and pray and get into service, which of course I'm always eager to do. So father, we, we come before you and thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. And thank you, Lord, that. Uh, even though we see much heartache and evil going on in the world, Lord, you are still working things out uh, for the good of those who love you. And so, Father, we, as we get ready to set our eyes upon you and fix our heart upon you, we just ask, Lord, that you would bless this time. And I ask, Father God, that as we enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise, that we would sense your presence and sense your embrace. And we thank you, Lord, and praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. High and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Mm. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. 
I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 I want to see holy, 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 I want to see
God, I'm on my knees again. God, I'm asking, please, again. I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water pouring my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. God, again. God, I'm on my knees again. God, I'm asking, please, again, I need you, oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul, I need you, oh, God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. To my ears, like holy water to my skin. Pour your spirit deep inside. I need you, Lord, you make me alive. I need you, oh, I need you. More and more, I need you now. I owe you more. He's passing out. I need you. Oh, I need you. And your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey to my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like holy water on my skin and your forgiveness is like sweet sweet honey on my lips like the sound of a symphony to my ears like holy water on my skin God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. And your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. to my ears like holy water your forgiveness is like sweet sweet honey on my lips like the sound of a symphony to my ears like holy water on my skin I don't want to abuse I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. 
grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. And your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like holy water, your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like holy water on my skin. Is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like holy water, your forgiveness, Lord. Is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears, like holy water on my skin, like holy water on my skin, like holy water.
of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone undone in your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord your presence Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence Lord, let us become more aware of your presence Let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord.
Lord, be their breakthrough. Show them your goodness, Father. Let them taste and see you are good. So many, so many twisted up family relationships. Lord, we ask to, we ask for a breakthrough. I ask you work on those hearts, Lord. Those hearts that are contrary. I ask that you work it out, Father on behalf of the one who has been crying out to you. No, don't stop crying out. Don't stop crying out. There's still some things that need to take place in prayer, in the Spirit. But hold on. Praise you, Lord. Jesus' name.
Testing, one, two, test, 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 all right. Thank you for that. Um, well, praise God, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. and I thank you, Lord, that your presence is an abiding one. Even when we don't feel your presence, we trust in faith that you are there because you have said that you would never leave us nor forsake us, and so... We thank you, Father, for breakthrough in areas that's coming. I thank you, Lord, for those who've been praying and interceding for this nation all across this nation, all across this earth that have been praying and interceding and asking for revival, asking for deliverance. Thank you for their hearts, Lord. I hope that I, I ask that you help them not to grow weary in doing good, but to continue laboring in prayer and keeping their eyes open for who it is that you desire them to speak to on your behalf, I ask, Lord, that you bless this word going out that we're about to share together. And I ask, Lord, that you help our hearts to be good soil, to receive what it is that you're saying, what the Spirit's saying to the churches. And I thank you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you alert our hearts to things that are important to you. Help us to apply them. And I thank you. I ask for your help in speaking this out, your grace. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Praise God. 
So for today, well, for this week, all this week, it's been on my heart to talk about prayer. Um, You know, in the past few weeks, we have touched on the importance of prayer, just kind of touched on it, talked about it here and there, and you know, I don't believe that we've been slack in prayer as a body, as a local body, but I'm going to be a little bolder about it than I have in the past when I make the statement that prayer is the church's secret weapon in this battle of restraining what's been going on in the world. And, uh, you know, when I say that it's the church's secret weapon, what I mean by that is that it's a secret from the church. The church doesn't realize what a mighty weapon God has given us. You know, the church at large, not, not all the church, but the church at large doesn't, doesn't, they don't seem to understand it, you know, because it seems like, you know, growing up in church and, you know, hearing people talk and the way that they say things and word things, you know, it seems like people are, and for a long time, have been in general agreement that prayer is a good thing, you know, and that it may help, but it would be a surprise if any real change occurs as a result of prayer. You know, there might be a superficial, just a kind of a, uh, it's, it's just a little bit of a help, you know. Well, you know, a lot of people, I personally believe that they're really only going to receive as far as they're willing to believe. And, you know, I believe that the enemy has been too successful in getting Christians to believe that their prayers don't matter. In, in, in getting Christians to believe that they are not worthy to pray. And in getting Christians to fail to learn to pray effectively. Because there is that. But God has been known to shake a place in response to the prayers of his people. And when we see a situation as impossible, when we do, we need to remember that we serve a God who specializes in the impossible. It's just that there are some things in the earth, some things that God will not do unless we ask Him to. In 1 Thessalonians, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray always, at all times, without ceasing. Pray all the time, in every circumstance. And you know, growing up, I always understood that we should do that. Yes, we should do that. I should do that. But I had, I had a hard time actually doing it. And you know, I don't know why, but I was always convinced that it was only me that was having a hard time with this, which is ridiculous because prayer is something that our flesh does not like us to do. You know, at Ramah Bible College, they gave us several quotes from well-known leaders in the church, and they all confessed that prayer was not easy for them. For them, for the leaders, and you know, but at the same time, they acknowledged the importance of prayer. It was encouraging to know, to find that out, that that I wasn't the only one who had a hard time in this area, especially that there were leaders in the church that had a difficult time. And then I thought, you know, if if we all have a hard time continuing in prayer without ceasing, that means that I must be able to discipline myself at this. That means because God has told me to do so, and I'm not the only one that's having a hard time with this, that, that I must be able to rein myself in and get better at it. And I did. 
Because now I understand that when I resolved to pray, the flesh was going to drag its feet. You know, when you start to pray, your flesh will act like the kid on the nature hike. That's like, why are we doing this? Why are we out here? It's so sunny. It's, 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 it, there's poison ivy. You know, my knee hurts. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. We'll go home. Because our flesh does not enjoy doing spiritual things. And prayer is a spiritual thing. Prayer is a way that we interact with God. So when we pray, we are going to meet some level of resistance from the flesh because it doesn't like doing spiritual things. I should qualify that statement by saying the flesh does not like to do spiritual things that have to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has told us to do in the earth. And then also, in speaking about the flesh, let me clarify what I mean by that term. It's, a, it's a, a, a nice Christianese term that we like to use. Of course, it's found in the Word. The flesh is that part of us that is still influenced by the old way of life before we came to Jesus. And then also, it's, it's also it can also be influenced by the enemy, by Satan. The devil's a defeated foe, but he still sneaks in and tries to get us off course. He has no right to do that, but that doesn't stop him from trying. But you have authority over him in Jesus' name. So I want to show you something. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26, if you would. Matthew chapter 26. Got my bookmark fighting against me here. We're going to start with verse 36. It says... Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. So this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before Jesus is about to go to the cross. So then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, stop right here. You know, we're not going to go any further than this. So, first of all, something I had noticed that I, 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 you know, don't have in my notes here, but first of all, it's important to note that when Jesus says, you know, not as I will, but as you will, Father, that's a specific type of prayer called the prayer of consecration. That is where in your heart, the will of God is, is, is not quite known. And so you're willing to submit to what he has. So that's when you say, if it's your will. Because most people turn their prayers to be ineffective prayers when they tack that, if it be your will, on the back of everything when they pray to God. And I'll tell you why. Because in many places, God has made his will clear about what you can ask him for. And so if you... Ask him for something that he has made his will known about, that he has said that you can ask him for. 
And then at the end of it, you tack that, if it be your will, you have canceled it out because you're no longer in faith. Because you don't trust that, that it's God's will for you. In this case, Jesus is talking about direction. Okay? When I'm talking about the next step in what God has for me to do, that's okay it's your, if it's your will, Lord. And I take a step and I see, mm, is it his will? Because if it's not, then I can back off of that. But if I'm asking him for something that he has said that I can ask him for, then I don't really have any business saying, if it be your will. You only see Jesus ever pray this way one time. And he prayed many times. Okay? So we, this is just one example of learning to pray more effectively. Amen. So, okay, this next thing here that I want to point out, and that's down in verse 41. With these two sentences that Jesus makes, that he, that he says, he just blew the lid on a game changer for us. First, he says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So many Christians out there are being tempted and giving into the lusts of the flesh because they didn't pay close enough attention to what Jesus just said here. Being watchful and praying continually is half the battle to overcoming temptation. Remember, if I'm praying, okay, assuming that I'm praying the way God wants me to, and if not, then he might intervene and, and teach me a little something about it. But if I'm praying, I'm interacting with him. I'm interacting with God. That's why prayer is a spiritual thing. Because you know as well as I do, if prayer is a spiritual thing, that means that I, if I'm being watchful as I'm praying, my watchfulness is now going to take on a spiritual tone. Amen? Take watching and, and praying then, and those two things together are going to make it much more difficult for the devil to fly under my radar with his temptations. Temptation is going to be much easier to spot. And in that moment, I can recognize, ah, oh, right now I'm being tempted. Now I have a choice as to where I can respond from. Am I going to respond from my bible form beliefs, or am I going to respond from the flesh? If I respond from the flesh, I'm going to give in to the temptation. If I respond from the bible form beliefs, it'll be just like Jesus with Satan. And he said, it is written. Bow down before me. It is written. Turn this, this stone into bread. It is written. Sorry. But it is written. And so then, we also understand that there will be a temptation to stop praying as well. And that will, you know, it'll be, it'll be easy to spot that. When you're praying and it's like, ah, oh, I'm so tired. Maybe I should stop praying right now. Well, maybe it is time to stop praying, but then maybe it's not. Maybe that's just my flesh. Okay, now for the second point we want to look at in verse 41. And we touched on this earlier, but now we're going to put it under the magnifying glass. Jesus says in the second half of verse 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. A while back, another Christian shared with me that when his wife was undergoing surgery, and he was praying for her in the waiting room, but also praying silently for the other people in the waiting room, you know, uh, he's praying and praying and praying. And, you know, God did some awesome things out of, uh, for, for his wife out of that surgery. But this man made an interesting comment to me. He said, I think all that praying wore me out. I came home exhausted and I took a nap. Well, prayer is spiritual exercise. 
So it stands to reason that it can wear you out. I mean, there's, there's, there's spiritual exercise just like there's natural exercise. If I can build up my body, it stands to reason that I can build up my spirit. Well, it takes exercise to do that. So that means then that if you do pray a lot, even if you get tired and you go back to it later on, do it some more, well, then you're going to get in better spiritual shape. You know, and we know that your spirit affects your body just like your body affects your spirit. That's why, you know, physically, you may not think that prayer is a physical activity. It's like, how can I be so tired after praying? Well, it's a, it, it, your spirit affects your body. See, because they're all contained within this frame. Body, soul, and spirit are all contained within this frame. So they're going to affect one another. Okay, so now here, Jesus sees the disciples fast asleep when they're supposed to be praying. And then he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He makes an observation, you know. So the spirit is willing because a person who belongs to Jesus has a recreated spirit. Their spirit wants to please God. But the flesh just wants to satisfy earthly desires. You know. The flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. That's why the word said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And you know, any new Christian experiences this early on. Their spirit is pulling one way over here to, I want to please God, but their flesh is pulling the other. And so they get down on themselves because they feel divided. Why, do, why am I divided? I shouldn't feel this way. Well, now we need to inform them that this is a battle that we all face so that they won't get discouraged and give up. We all go through this. Because notice Jesus asked Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? You know, Peter was kind of, you know, Peter was there for all of the uh, things that, that Jesus did. I mean, you know, not all, not all the disciples were present for everything that Jesus did, but, Jesus was, but Peter was always there. And so, you know, even though Jesus understands that the flesh is weak, he still, by his disappointment, indicated that Peter could have somehow pushed through. Couldn't you watch with me one hour? And you know, like Paul said at the end of 1 Corinthians 9, I discipline my body so that after I preach the gospel to others, I myself won't be disqualified. In the Amplified, he said, after I preach the gospel and things pertaining to it. Well, prayer, as the primary way we communicate with God, think about this. Prayer definitely pertains to the gospel of Jesus Christ because a person can't be saved without prayer. You confess, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Well, who are you confessing to? You're confessing to God. Jesus is my Lord. That's prayer. That's direct communication to God. So then prayer, by necessity, pertains to the gospel of Christ. So then that means that it's pertaining to the, to, to the gospel Paul was preaching, and Paul said, I keep my body in line so that I, when I preach the gospel, see? And so, Paul, th th this definitely would have been, prayer definitely would have been one of the areas that Paul disciplined his body. You know, the I mean, the flesh, I mean, you know, th think about it this way, you're driving down the road, and if, you're, if your alignment's a little off in your car and you take your hands off the steering wheel, what's the car going to do? It's going to start to drift. Well, do you just let it drift over until you dr drive into the ditch or you say, no, we're not going that way? The flesh is like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. 
I want to fall asleep. I want to, I want to, uh, uh, you know, I want to fall, I want to, I want to sit in front of the, the couch and I want to, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that while you're trying to pray. The flesh is doing this while you're trying to pray. So you say, no, we're not doing that. You're not going to get your way. You know, you could, you, you, know, you could say that you're bringing your flesh to heal, so to speak, kind of like how you would bring a, a, a pet to heal. You know, when, like you go out and you're walking your dog and the dog's pulling one way and you're like, no, we're not going that way. So the question then, see, now that we understand this, the question is, how was Paul able to discipline his body or the flesh? And here's where we're going to revisit something that we talked about in the past, and it's actually been a very long time since we talked about it, so we're just going to touch on it again. It's important. We call it the threefold nature of man. And I mentioned it, it, mentioned it a, little, a little while ago, but, uh, you know, it's, the, we, it's the, the spirit and the body and the soul. We talked about that. And, and in this context, we're, when we mention the body, we're, the flesh is attached to that. You know, so um, some people think that the Bible uses the words spirit and soul in the Bible to mean the same thing. But not really. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Soul and spirit have a dividing point. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the Greek word translated soul in both of those verses is the word suke, which means, uh, well, it, it's where we get our modern word psyche, which is what psychiatrists use to describe the mind. As many of you know. So then, anyone who has been exposed to Hollywood should be comfortable realizing that our mind, will, and emotions is what the Bible means by the soul. And our heart is what the Bible calls our spirit. You know, and, I, and you know, I mentioned Hollywood because how many of you have seen a movie where the hero is trying really, diff, really hard to overcome some obstacle and someone tells them you're thinking about it too much, you need to trust your heart. I think all of us are familiar with this. So even worldly people then, who, you know, make a distinction between the mind and the heart. Which means that American Christians should have no problem with this concept when we look at it in that way. So the way that we identify what we are, what God has made us to be, is like this. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. That's the threefold nature of man. That's what we mean when we, when we mention that. But I said all that to answer the question... That, that we asked about Paul. How was Paul able to discipline his body? If, as Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, or the body, is weak, if those two are pulling in different directions, how was Paul able to discipline his body in order to endure in prayer and other spiritual things? The answer is the soul. His mind, his will, and his emotions. The soul is where decisions are made. That part of you that makes decisions. So you've got your spirit urging you to go one way. You've got your body, your flesh urging you to go another way. And when that happens, now you're at a point of decision. So turn with me very quickly over to Romans chapter 12, and that's just after the book of Acts. Romans 12. 
tell you, this is really good stuff. I can say that because God's the master potter who came up with this stuff, with all this. It's not me. He's the designer. You know, as, they, as the word said, you need to brag. Brag about God. So then here, Romans 12, 1. This is Paul writing to the Roman church. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So it's, he says, present your body, what? A living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. That's part of that, that discipline that Paul spoke of, you know, and I, you know, listening to uh, a minister one time and he's talking about, you know, uh, putting to death the works of the flesh, you know, but the idea that he's like, there's just something about a living sacrifice that makes it want to crawl off the altar. And then what he meant by that was the flesh not wanting to be sacrificed, you know, not, not wanting to, to yield to God. But it is a living sacrifice. It's not like the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. Our body is a sacrifice that never needs to be slain because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Our bodies continue on as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Amen. You know, and then in the old, we also understand the Old Testament, those, those, uh, um, uh, those, 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 uh, sacrifices that God put into place in the Old Testament were considered to be acts of worship. It was part of worship. So then as you, as you learn to uh, put to death the works of the flesh and be a living sacrifice to God and see in doing that you become that living sacrifice that's acceptable to God. It's not, we're not talking about being saved. We're talking about going a step further and living more and more for God. In doing that you become a living sacrifice. Um, so then here moving on to verse 2 this is really what we're driving at here verse 2 says and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and, you know, I, I grew up in, in, um, in the 90s. As a, I mean, I, as a teenager, I grew up in the 90s, you know, and there was this whole movement where people were talking about don't be a conformist. Don't be, you know, don't conform to this just because other people are doing it. You know, don't conform, don't conform. Well, the truth is, is that that ideal actually emerged from the Word, but but the way the Bible presents it is don't be conformed to this world. That means the way the world does things, the way the world thinks, the way the world um, carries itself, everything. Don't be conformed to that. And you know, you, con- you conform, you, you, you match up your profile to what this profile is, what the world's profile is. The word's saying, do not do that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we learn here that our mind can be renewed. Well, it seems to me that this is a continual thing. The mind is going to be in need of renewing more than once. Probably daily. 
so that we can prove or examine or, and approve of what God's will is. In other words, when we renew our mind, we are bringing our thoughts and our will into agreement with what God's thoughts and will are. And that is what makes it possible to bring the flesh into subjection when it is weak and the spirit is willing. It becomes the tiebreaker. You know, it's now it's now it's two against one. The holy, the, you know, your your flesh wants to please God, or I mean, your your flesh. No, your spirit wants to please God. Your spirit is willing. If your soul has been renewed, it's now in agreement with your spirit, and now it's two against one. But if then if it's not renewed, see where I'm going with this. So your, your, your mind, when it is renewed, when your soul is renewed, it, it, it then partners with your spirit. It can partner with your spirit to override the flesh. Of course, uh, you know, it, you know if, it, it, if it's not renewed, like I just kind of you know, mentioned here, then it, now it, it partners most likely with the flesh, and together they override your spirit. We understand that there are people in the world who we would call a moral unbeliever. There are people who are just ethical atheists and things like, of the, and, and, um, you know, uh, my, similar mindsets that, that are ethical, but that doesn't make them justified before the Lord. And I mean, there's still things, they still got hang-ups. The Word said, for all, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. So just being ethical in and of itself doesn't help you much in the end. But when the, the soul is not renewed and it is partnering with the flesh to override your spirit, that wants to please God, when the flesh gets its way, that's the picture of a carnal Christian. Still a believer, you know, still, still belong to Christ, maybe. It's possible to belong to Christ and be carnal. You know, I mean, Paul told the Corinthian church in, in you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, I couldn't speak to you like mature Christians. I had to speak to you as, as a carnal, as to babes in Christ. People, you know, Christians who are living in sin. What's the dividing point, by the way? You know, where, where is the, I mean, how much sin can a person do and still be a Christian? Well, that's between, that, that's, that's an unknown. That's, that's, you know, God doesn't want, the reason God has not said exactly how much people can get away with is because he doesn't want them trying to get away with anything. He wants them to live completely for him. So he's not going to, he's not going to tell us what, what the breaking point is. The point where we shift back over into being unsaved. Anyway, I just had to, had to speak that, you know. So why did Paul tell this church at Corinth that they were carnal? Well, apparently they weren't renewing their minds. They were yielding to what their flesh wanted to do. Paul had taught them. He said, I fed you the word. He expected them to be, to be at a much higher maturity level than they were. He's like, I, I fed you. I, I knew what to feed you to get you to grow, but you didn't grow. It's on them. Okay, so then, so then getting past all that, how do we renew our minds then? Turn with me to the book of James. Book of James, if you would. Just past the book of Hebrews, if you see the book of Hebrews as you're going. James chapter 1. Hope you're doing good with this. James chapter 1, verse 21. Okay, now, first of all, keep in mind as we're reading this, James is writing this to believers. He's writing this to the church, Christians. Okay? James 1, verse 21, he says, Therefore, lay aside all 
filthiness and overflow of wickedness. What's he saying? Stop sinning, Christians. Stop it. What he's saying. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, a couple things here. That word meekness, we, we touched on, I touched on, on the online service last week, is that meekness deals with strength through self-control. Strength as a result of being self-controlled. Which is the opposite of this whole filthiness and overflow of wickedness thing. That's, that's, a, that's all examples of being not self-controlled. That's, that's, just, that's just doing whatever. Okay, so he says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, the first thing to keep in mind, again, is that James is writing to the church. He's writing this to people who have already received Jesus Christ. Their spirit has, pardon me, already been recreated by the working of the Holy Ghost. He has baptized them into the body of Christ, so then... There would be no reason for them to be saved again, you know, receive salvation again. He's talking about a specific part of them. He's talking about their suke, their soul, their mind. He says, he, he says, it's able to save your souls. And we know that soul and mind have the same meaning here. And the word save that James uses here, it carries the idea of protection. The implanted word is able to save, protect your soul. Ephesians talks about Jesus washing the church with the water of the word. The word washes. It has a cleansing effect. A renewing effect on the mind, the soul. And it's no coincidence that Hebrew says it's the word that finds the dividing point between soul and spirit. And don't get funny on me and go, and go wondering if, if your soul can be saved but your spirit can't and vice versa. The soul and the spirit are connected. <laughs> so then, not only does the, is the word implanted, he says they receive the implanted word. You've got to receive it. You've got to receive the word for it to do something for you. Okay? And, and so then you receive the word, you, 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 to, you get to the point, see, then the word is what finds the dividing point between soul and spirit. I have, I have people asking me all the time, how do I know if what I'm hearing is coming from my heart or from my head? Be in the word. Because the word is the only thing that can find the dividing point between those two parts of your being. And even then, you, you might still miss it, but you'll be better equipped. Okay. So now, um, we've talked about, there's another side of this coin. We've talked about how a saved person can resist temptation, how we have another place to respond from. God has given us a new nature that we can respond from. Now, an unsaved person does not have that nature. And they're still walking around in the flesh. And like we said, they can be ethical. They can be a very moral person, but... All have fallen short of the glory of God. The only reason we're saved is by God's grace. His mercy. We didn't work. You can't work your way into heaven. So then the people out in the world that have a, have a, 
uh, do not have that recreated spirit of, uh, uh, in, in, their, in, in Christ, they're walking around in the flesh. How are they supposed to resist temptation? Well, you know, they can resist some of it, but this really puts, it, puts into perspective why the Bible calls them the lost. They're lost. In darkness. We can see why God's heart goes out to them. And we know that we're to be a light. To light a path for them to find Jesus. But on the prayerful side of things, because prayer is our main topic today, it's easy to get weary while we pray for the lost. Partly because our flesh is pulling the other way. And I also think that we get some opposition from the enemy when we pray for the lost, because he certainly doesn't want them to be saved. You know, it's that voice that says, why are you doing this? There's no reason for you to, you know, you've been praying, you've been praying for this person for 15 years. Do you really think it's doing any good? But, you know, we could deal with the devil just like we deal with the flesh. Amen. You just, sorry, devil, you're a liar. In Jesus' name, you got to go. The word says pray, so I'm going to pray. You know, and, you know, then I think there's also another reason that prayer can be or prayer for the lost specifically can be discouraging. You know, I believe it's because we can't see into the heavenlies to see the results of our prayers. Unless God, of course, makes something known to us or he allows you know, us to see the results. And so, you know, again, the question is, is this, is this really doing anything? Is this really doing any good? So let's turn from here a few books forward to Revelation chapter 5. And here in Revelation 5, we get an eyewitness report from John, the, the Apostle John, about things occurring in God's throne room. And he gives us a picture of God the Father seated on the throne. He's holding a scroll, which we won't get into right now. But then Jesus come and he comes and he takes the scroll. So let's pick it up here in verse 8. And it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, that's Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, again Jesus, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. So again, if you said out loud, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you are saved. The Bible now defines you as a saint. So then your prayers, God, is, God has your prayers contained in, the, in these golden bowls full of incense, which the incense is the prayers. You know, and so apparently, you know, God puts these prayers of ours, he has, you know, they they hold a special place with him in his court. And I want to quote Psalm 141 too. It says these words, if you want to write that down again, that's Psalm 141 too. It said, let my prayer be set before you as incense the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So then the second part, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement that the lifting up of your hands to God is a sacrifice. Why? Because the flesh doesn't want to do it. Because it costs you something to do it. It costs you put, putting the flesh under to lift up your hands to God as a symbol of surrender. To God. So now back to that first line. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. To me this is encouraging. 
We may think of our prayers as clumsy or boring, but God sees them as incense that rises up to him like a sweet scent. Pleasing aroma. Amen. See, at the end of the day, what matters is what God thinks. How does God see my prayer? Let's turn from from here to chapter 8. And I'm going to look at verse 3. It says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Now, as I understand it, this additional incense, and you're, you, mean, you, can, you can interpret this however you like, but this is the way I see this, this additional incense, because before it's been established that the incense that we saw is the prayers of the saints. So there's additional incense that's being added to all the prayers of the saints. And so to me, this other incense must be prayer as well. And so it's, where is this prayer coming from? Well, it, the word tells us that Jesus is always making intercession for us at the throne of his Father. The word also says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession. It says we don't know how, the, how we should pray as we ought. And so the Holy Spirit himself makes groanings which cannot be uttered, prays things out. So I believe this extra incense is the prayers of Jesus, prayers of the Holy Spirit being offered to the Father, along with our prayer. Okay? That's just what I believe. And when those prayers are added, I mean, you could almost, I mean, this is probably a pretty poor analogy, but, but I mean, if you could picture it this way, because it said that much incense was added to, all the, to the incense of all the, all the prayers of all the saints. So all the saints, you know, I mean, that's a lot of prayer. But it says, and then much incense was added to that. So you have to say, okay, well, wow, that's a, that's a super abundance of incense. So then where are those, you know, that's, that's a lot of prayer. It kind of reminds me of those, um, you know, donation campaigns that people do where it's like your, your donation will be double matched, triple matched. I mean, I imagine that the Holy Ghost and Jesus will keep praying for us anyway, regardless of whether we pray or not. But this, it, it carries this idea that, that they are adding their prayer to ours. And then we see that it, we're about to see in verse 4 that it, when those prayers are added to our prayers, when that incense is added, it, it creates an explosive force in the earth. So look at verse 4 with me. It says, And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Hmm. So these are bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, like we said. When I read this, I get the idea that the bowls are full because the prayers have been accumulating for a while. You know, you heard me say every, every prayer you pray for your loved ones is seed sown. I truly believe that. Jesus counseled us to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking when we pray. And, you know, when we're praying for a person, 
their, their free will now comes into play. So, I mean, you pray for a, a resolution in a person's life and God says, okay, you prayed for this, this is the target, but what you can't see is this thing and, you know, this, this problem, this financial issue, this relationship, this, this uh, timetable, the, you know, all these obstacles in the way that you can't see in order for God to bring a resolution over here. And so sometimes prayers take a while. The answer takes a while. You know, in some cases, we pray in faith along a certain line for a long time. And when that bowl gets full, so to speak, or the time has, you know, has, has, has come to fruition, you know, God's answer comes. And, you know, the reason I believe that we're given this picture in Revelation to help us understand the effects of prayer in heaven, we need to understand the reality that God does mighty things through our prayer because he enjoys co-laboring with us. He designed all things so that spiritual things take place before physical things. And we can see that here that, that spiritual things, even though they might be hidden for a time, okay, affect physical things in a tremendous way when they finally come to bear. You know, I know that noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake may sound scary, but let's not forget that right after Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake that signaled a shift in the heavenlies. That was God's design. And in the book of Acts, it says, the church prayed for boldness, then the place shook. There are good earthquakes when these physical surroundings react to something that God is doing in the heavenlies. So with this bowl full of incense, it's the prayers of all the saints, so they are probably cries of revival as well as cries for judgment. And you know, God, as the righteous judge, will render the appropriate answer where it needs to go. But the important thing to note is that our prayers have an effect on what God chooses to do in the earth. You know, Martin Luther said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, it is laying hold of his willingness. So we should undertake to be a praying people. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for prayer. We thank you that that you give us the privilege as your sons and daughters to come to you and to present concerns to you and to cry out to you, call upon your name in faith and believe that we have received deliverance or healing or provision or whatever it is that we have asked you for. We thank you, Father. I ask, Lord, that you help us all, help our spirits to understand this more and more. And I thank you, and I praise you. I ask that you bless everybody uh, who is watching this. I pray, Father God, for a touch from you for whatever they need, whether it be healing or finances or uh, vision, you know, uh, whatever. I thank you, Father, and I praise you, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I guess I'll see you all next week.